Welcome back to the Wimp Daily Podcast for today, August 27th, 2019. I am Scott Engel. I am the king. I am fantasy. Along here with the real Jerry Colvin. Uh, Jerry, how are you, you doing today? I'm good, Scott. I'm looking forward to an exciting day of baseball and uh, hopefully trying to get a little nap in later. I've been working a lot of late nights lately. Okay. Well, you, you've been... Were you up? Uh, were you up watching uh, Homer Bailey and the Oakland A's uh, give give the other team a workout? <laughs> yeah, I I saw most of that game, and I watched a lot of the Cardinals game too. That was pretty much as expected, except for the Milwaukee bats. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had a fantasy football draft last night. Was helping uh, two people out with others, uh, so it was a busy night for me. Busy week for me. There's a big fantasy football draft week, Jerry. It sure is. Can't, it's exciting, that's for sure. A lot of people's uh, next 16 to 20 weeks are going to be all tied up. Yeah, well, uh, yesterday we talked about the big Andrew Luck news. Today let's talk about the Lamar Miller news. Uh, you know, obviously out for the year, very unfortunate injury. You never want to see anybody get hurt like that. Uh, Miller was was certainly not an outstanding fantasy uh, running back or fantasy asset, but you know, that we, this is not personal for me. We all wish him well and hope that he recovers. Uh, you know, even though I don't want him on my fantasy team, I don't want to see a guy get hurt like that. You know, let me, let me be very clear about that. Uh, you know, cause sometimes in our industry uh, I'll talk to professional athletes and uh, you know, that the, they'll, they'll say on social media, you know, people are, giving me crap and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes I've seen guys get hurt and people who are really mean on social media and kind of give fantasy players a bad name. Uh, you know, the without without these guys, you know, p- playing these games, we wouldn't have our fantasy industry. So I think everybody needs to remember that, Jerry. Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, too, I'm sure that uh, us winning a couple hundred dollars is a little comparison to their careers being on the line with some of these injuries. True, true. But then again, if you're Jason Mizrahi, you really uh, lean heavily on these guys when you win a thirty grand in two days. Man, thirty grand for me would be life changing. Let me tell you that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's why you you have to be in the chat rooms here uh, and be a premium gold member on Win Daily because you can get to talk to Jason. You can talk talk to pros like uh, Dan Weir. You know who's won a lot as well, and David Jones, who actually won 100K on FanDuel, uh, you know, recent few weeks ago, and was actually at the live final in California this past weekend. Yeah, them them guys are on fire right now, and you know, if you really look at their contest selection, they play smart too, for the most part, except for the rally takes downs. They're playing in smaller size GPPs, and that's really the way to win money in this. Yeah, pretty much. It's all about the GPPs, like. Jason tells me, yeah, you should play cash games. I'm like, boring. <laughs> so oh, yeah, back to boring. Yeah, but back to back to the Texans though. Uh, you know, in terms of what they're gonna look like. Uh Duke Johnson's ADP is now uh now boosting up. I don't have him as a, as an RB two, more as a high end RB three in PPR because even though he was a workhorse in college in Miami, uh the guy's never been an indicator that at the pro level that he's gonna be utilized like that. Head coach Bill O'Brien told the Houston Chronicle, you know, that they feel very confident that using Duke Johnson as a workhorse back. Uh, he's not small. He, he goes about 5'9", 208. It's, that's not, it's not, he's not 195 pounds, so maybe he can take some of that pounding. And, of course, 
the head coach is going to say all the positive things publicly, but Duke Johnson was never, ever utilized like that in Cleveland, never given a chance to do that, have that kind of workload in the pros. And, you know, maybe that's for a reason. So I think fantasy players are doing it right when maybe they draft him as an RB3 because Damari Crockett's had a very good preseason, undrafted free agent. Maybe he he, uh, he takes some carries, especially near the goal line. Or, you know, you got roster cuts coming up now soon, and other running backs are going to get cut, and maybe the Texans pick up one of these other running backs that, that just didn't make a roster, and Johnson's going to have to share a workload with him. I can't, I can't imagine Duke Johnson being a workhorse, but uh, Deshaun Watson has really never had this kind of running back either to throw him at the ball out of the backfield. So that adds a dimension. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he caught 70 passes. I just wouldn't expect him to be a workhorse. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, coming off career lows last season, I mean, he's still arguably the league's best running back. So, I mean, he definitely has potential for upside, especially the he's way the league, he's the league's best running back? League's best catching running back. Okay. Say. That's, you have to, I meant to say receiving back. That's my apology. Okay. I'm a little tired, so I got tongue-tied tongue tied today. That's okay. You know? And we all know Watson loves to throw the ball, so there could be some opportunities there, and he's probably worth taking a shot out in the later rounds. I'd probably give you a debate on being the league's best pass-catching running back, though. I'd probably vote for James White. Yeah, that's certainly an argument, too, I guess. Yeah, but I guess you don't feel like arguing this morning, so I'll, I'll just keep it moving. Um, I don't argue with the king. well if i turned it to the dodgers and i started putting down some of their guys we'd probably have a big fiery argument to you know this morning but uh i i don't i don't think uh i don't think you're in the mood from that for what i detect today but uh the offensive line isn't great in houston either and i i think that's a problem too for whoever's running the ball it has been for a couple of seasons as far as i know yeah, it had certainly has been. Uh, they made some minor moves to kind of improve it, but you know that's why Johnson also makes sense because you want to get him out in space rather than trying to create his own running room. And uh, for Deshaun Watson, you know this could mean even more pass attempts than last year. And I have him ranked as my number two fantasy quarterback behind Pat Mahomes, with Andrew Luck definitely out of the picture. I, I have to agree with you on there. Watson's incredible. I mean, last year he, he improved his completion percentage from 61.8 to 68.3. So he's actually showing improvement as the season goes on. And he had less turnovers as well. Yeah, great stat, you know, showing improved completion percentage. Speaking to how he's improved as a passer. The one thing that I, I do worry about with him, and I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say it was true, is, you know, playing behind that offensive line, I do worry about him. But also being a mobile quarterback is something of a risk for injury. So I you don't have to draft a backup quarterback in every league, but I think I would back up uh, Deshaun Watson if I drafted him. I definitely want to handcuff the two of them together. And I have a feeling that most people who draft who know what they're doing would try to prevent that or block it if they could. Yeah. Well, uh, then you got DeAndre Hopkins, who's widely regarded as the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. And, uh, you know, with Hopkins, uh, he's going off the board, you know, consensus pretty much overall. But I actually actually have him ranked fourth because – you know, he's gotten very, very banged up, and, uh, you know, I've gotten access to medical, uh, you know, scouting reports that just say that he's been so banged up. He played through a shoulder injury admirably 16 games last year, but 
these injuries are starting to add up to the point where it might force him out of a few games this year. Yeah, well, you, you never know. Well, he's going to have more options, I think, to throw to this year, too. So it could actually take a little bit of the workload off of Hopkins. End of the day, though, I would still keep him, in my opinion, as the number one wide receiver in the NFL right now. Yeah, well, Devontae Adams is my number one. Uh, I would, uh, I have Michael Thomas number two, Julio Jones number three, and then I have him fourth. And, uh, you know, Will Fuller, you know, we've seen how explosive he is. And, you know, he spent a lot of time during the offseason trying to get himself healthy. But uh, he, he actually told the Houston Chronicle, he said, he actually told ESPN, he said, I have to prove that I can stay on the field before they can depend on me. And I think fantasy players feel the same way about Will Fuller. He's so explosive and he's great for DFS and best ball, but you just can't rely on him when it comes to seasonal. Yeah, he's that guy you always throw in your what-if scenario, you know, because he has that potential to have such a great season. He's such a deep threat downfield. It's, it all comes down to how much he's actually going to be on the field, though. Yeah, and uh, then you got Kiki QT uh, as well, uh, just returning to practice from an injury. And I like QT a lot because he's he can really be he was he was really a pleasant surprise as a rookie and he can be he can be a chain mover for that team and a really good PPR fantasy wide receiver for. Yeah, and he provides watching with some short yardage threat. And he could be it's a really sharp outlook for that kid as a slot receiver, that's for sure. Yeah, and then the defense is like one of the top uh defenses in fantasy football. But I take a different approach to drafting defense. Everybody will just take, okay, here's the the a lot of people don't pay attention to defensive kickers. They just draft them blindly off of a cheat sheet. But what I do is, because you stream defenses so much, rather than just saying, oh, okay, yeah, the Chargers are next ranked, I'll take them. If I'm going to stream, why not stream from the beginning? And yeah. I'm drafting based off of week one schedule, week one matchups or very often. Now, to me, I want the Baltimore defense – First off the board, because I think, you know, last year they weren't very big in turnovers. and But now they had Earl Thomas. And if Earl Thomas stays healthy, he's such a turnover maker. Not only are they a top-ranked defense, but they play the Miami Dolphins the first week of the season. Yeah, and I was looking over their schedule, and it's kind of in the middle of the road, you know. So they, 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 have, a, they have a shot. I mean, we'll see. I think from a fantasy perspective, though, they're a very good defensive unit. Uh, and I oh, think that's how that, what I'm talking about. Yeah, fantasy-wise, they're one of the better defenses in the NFL. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they had Earl Thomas, who's like maybe arguably the best free safety in, in the game. You know, if he can stay healthy, you know, that only adds to it. But I'm looking at certain matchups for, for week one, like Philadelphia plays Washington at home. That That's a great matchup. Yes, yeah, it is. And then, uh, and then you got you have Seattle versus Cincinnati, et cetera. Uh, you got the Chargers playing the Colts without Andrew Luck, Jerry. Yeah, and you, of course you always got Philip Rivers, who's my biggest DFS turnoff of all time. <laughs> really? Why? Why don't you like Philip Rivers in DFS? It's just you, you have them players that for some reason, and I'm sure every DFS player is going to understand this, that for, when you take them, they just never do nothing for you. And then you you pull off of them in the next week, boom. He's one of them guys for me. I can just never hit on the good weeks with Phillip Rivers. 
he's very underrated as a seasonal fantasy quarterback. He goes in like the 13th round. And each of the last six years, he's passed for at least 4,200 yards and 28 touchdowns. And for those six seasons, he's had 13 or less interceptions. I don't think Phillip Rivers gets enough fantasy respect. Yeah, he's he's his fantasy purposes. He's a great seasonal fantasy quarterback. I just have a hard time cashing in on him in D, in DFS. Yeah, well, yeah, you do have you do have players like that. I remember when I used to play uh, fantasy NASCAR. I could never hit on Casey Kane at all. I used to have the same problem with Clay Buckholes too, as well. <laughs> I think a lot of people have problems with Clay Buckholes. Yeah, Clay Buckholes has problems with Clay Buckholes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to the baseball slate for today uh, here on Win Daily, and uh, listen to the podcast with Scott Engel and Jerry Colvin. We have Baltimore, Washington, a battle of Maryland. Aaron Brooks, not the former Saint, uh, going against Patrick Corbin in a. It's something mild rivalry game. Uh, Brooks has a 6.21 ERA, uh, but his starting ERA is 8.07. Uh, Patrick Corbin, uh, 10 and five with a 3.17 ERA, with a 1.76 ERA at home. Uh, very important split to note. Uh, maybe we're talking uh, a stack of Washington Nationals here today, along with uh, using Corbin. As well, I think Corbin's going to be a very popular cash game play tonight. Uh, you have Corbin at uh, at a DraftKings tag of eleven thousand two hundred. You're really going to have to spend up, but if you want to get some hitters here, uh, you know Matt Adams is forty five hundred if he's in the lineup. As Drew Cabrera is heated up, if he's forty forty two hundred if if he's in the lineup as well. Jan Gomes uh, has really picked it up over the last week. He's 3,400. Just looking at some of the discounted guys because I think we know who the obvious Washington bats are. But how do you feel about spending up for Corbin and using the Washington bats? Well, the thing that everybody's going to have to realize about tonight's slate is that there is a lot of strikeouts on it. We have a lot of top pitchers going tonight. So there's no way you're not going to be spending up somewhere. I, I myself think there's still better options than Corbin tonight. Um, even though he's at home and facing Baltimore, it's just sometimes Baltimore shows up and really hits lefties well. I'm not saying that's the case today. I just feel there's a few safer options, but I would have no argument with anybody running out Corbin in cash games or GPPs or the Washington Nationals left-handed bats tonight. All right. Uh, Steven Brault and the Pirates go against Drew Smiley of the Phillies in the Battle of Pennsylvania. Brault's actually not been bad. Uh, 262 ERA in his last 11 starts, 398 ERA overall. Drew Smiley is uh, uh, 0-1 with a 745 ERA in his past four starts. If you want to save some money for bats, Stephen Brault's only 4,800, but you're doing it at a pitcher's park against a dangerous lineup, but maybe it's a GPP play. And then uh, over on the other side, maybe like a mini stack at least of Pirates or a Pirates stack. And Josh Bell is... 4,800, you know, he's under 5,000. Uh, you got Kevin Newman's been hitting really well. He's 4,300. Yeah, you know, and the funny thing about Smiley is he's got reverse splits. Left-handed bats are hitting 346 off of him. And that's something that I noticed the managers tend to not notice. So if other people might not as well, so I'd probably maybe even take a shot on Adam Frazier and lefty on lefty against him. <laughs> would, you, would, would, you, would you run a pirate stack? 
Oh, definitely run a pirate stack. I'd still run out them right-handed bats. I would just take a chance on a left-handed bat that sneaks himself in there. As far as the Phillies go, though, I, I'm kind of shying away. I'd use their right-handed bats in GPPs tonight, but Brawl could go either way, and, and I think there's still better options, way better options offensive-wise tonight. Do you, do you think you should use Brawl in the GPP? It's only 4,800? No, I think there's I think there's better ones than Brawl that are just slightly slightly more. All right. Uh, here's one of my favorites for tonight, and I think will be widely owned. Atlanta's in Toronto. Mike Soroka, I'd take him against anybody right now. He's only 9,300 on DraftKings. Yeah, Soroka's actually in the pitching article today facing Toronto. And even in Toronto, I'd still take a shot at him. He's He, gets, he strikes out a fair amount of batters, and Toronto strikes out a lot against right-handers, and they don't hit him all that well either. So I would totally be down with Soroka and and Atlanta left-handed bats tonight against Zach Godley. All right. The Cubs are at the Mets. You Darvish against Marcus Stroman. Uh, probably not using Stroman. Uh, doesn't strike out a lot of guys. Uh, you know, his, his uh, overall a 318 ERA, but a 458 ERA since he came over to the National League. Uh, Darvish, uh, you know, he's been a little up and down, but... You know, the Mets bats have gotten kind of quiet. I kind of like Darvish at 9,600 here. Yeah, the problem, this is one of them games that are like my least favorite to try to, as far as an analyst in DFS goes, because both of these guys, Stroman and Darvish, could come out tonight, and it could be a 3-0 or 2-1 or a 1-1 game when we get to the seventh inning, or it could be 7-8. And when I get to games like this, it kind of makes me really shy off both the pitchers and the bats as well. So this game for me tonight is kind of a fade. Okay, Cleveland's in Detroit. Adam Pluto against uh, Spencer Turnbull. Uh, not a game where I would necessarily want to jump all over the Cleveland bats because Turnbull hasn't been bad. Uh, Pluto has been bad, but it seems like anybody who faces Detroit uh, is somebody you got to consider. You said no with saving money on Brawl, but Adam Pluto is only 6500 Would you use him in a GPP or as uh, a pitcher maybe to get some uh, some other bats in there and save some money? Yes, Pluko is another guy through in the article today. I think I think it's sixty five hundred on DraftKings. That's going to allow you enough salary to get some of them uh, bigger bats in tonight. And at the end of the day, the strike the Tigers are still uh, tied with the Padres for the most strikeouts versus right handed pitching. But the interesting thing is they actually have the lowest walk rate. So that's going to open up some. Uh, that means there's a lot of hit balls and swing and misses. So it could be a good night for Pluko, and I'm willing to take a shot there. Cincinnati and Miami, uh, Luis Castillo at 10,000 might be the best cash game play of the night along with Soroka uh, going against Miami, uh, probably the top cash game play of the night over Soroka. Uh, Caleb Smith is at ERA well over five uh, this month, and he's dropped to 9,000, but maybe a contrarian sort of play. And I, he's not fully contrarian, but I think people are starting maybe to fade fade him a little, but uh, maybe he won't be widely owned and can recapture his form here. Yeah, and like this is the same situation we have with the Chicago Mets game. Is you got two pitchers who have the potential. Well, you have one pitcher who's definitely going to shut down the Marlins. But in, in Caleb Smith, you, you never know. Sometimes Cincinnati's offense just completely goes quiet. And Smith is the type of pitcher, especially at home in Miami, who could come out and shut him down. So I'm not really taking him or Miami bats or any Cincy bats for the most part. I'm not saying I wouldn't use them in GPPs, especially the right-handed bats, but I'm definitely all over Castillo tonight because, you know, the Marlins do have a weighted runs created plus a 73, which is absolutely deplorable. Uh, St. Louis is at 
Milwaukee, Miles Mikolas. Uh, Mikolas has an 844 ERA in his last three starts. Uh, Adrian Hauser has, uh, is, is coming off of three strong starts, and uh, Hauser's only $5,000. Uh, you can run a Milwaukee stack here tonight for sure. Uh, Eric Thames is 4,700. Yellick is 5,800. That's going to be hard to fit in. Uh, Grandal's 4,300. You can fit him in. Uh, Kane's 4,100. Uh, Moustakis at 5,000. You have to like a lot. So I'm kind of into Milwaukee stack, you know, especially if maybe I, I slide one of uh, Pluko in there. Maybe I can afford uh, Christian Yelich tonight. And then Adrian Hauser is actually somebody else I have to consider at $5,000. Yeah, so I, actually, Hauser's the other guy I threw in. For that price tonight, I, I find him quite irresistible, especially considering he's also had 20 strikeouts over his last three appearances, facing Texas, Washington, and St. Louis. So to post some kind of strikeout totals over three starts versus them teams, to me, is very impressive. So I'm definitely on him, and I'm definitely going back to the Milwaukee left-handed bats tonight. Okay, uh, Minnesota's at the White Sox. Michael Pineda, who's had his ups and downs against Lucas Giolito, who's 11,500. Giolito's not top, another top play. And uh, Pineda might be another salary saver. Both of these guys are a complete fades for me tonight as well. I still think there's better options with more upside. Minnesota can still come out on any given night and absolutely destroy a pitcher, even Lucas Giolito. And Pineda, despite having fairly good track record against the White Sox, just doesn't provide enough strikeout upside for me. And if he doesn't go enough innings without the strikeouts, he's just not going to put up enough points-wise. Other than that, I mean, bat-wise, I would really, I would really kind of shy away from both sides of these, except for GPPs. All right, Tampa Bay is at Houston. Charlie Morton against Justin Verlander, and uh, Verlander's twelve thousand. Uh, but there are cheaper, better options on the slate. And same thing for Morton, you know, going against the Astros. Uh, I think I'm going to avoid this game. This is another one. We got a, we got a quite a few of these tonight, which is unusual and to have this many great matchups going against each other. But at the end of the day, I'd take Verlander against Tampa Bay any day. It's Justin Verlander. He comes out on start-to-start basis and just absolutely dominates teams. And Tampa Bay isn't exactly the best team against right-handed pitching, even though they're not the worst. Bat-wise, though, like you said, I would totally fade this game. Uh, but I'm talking pitching-wise, I'd probably f- fade Morton. Oh, definitely fade Morton. I have no interest in Morton tonight facing yeah. the Astros. That'd be, that'd be just silly with so many great options on the board. Who do you want tonight, Verlander or Castillo at the cheaper price? I'd go with Castillo at the cheaper price because the Tampa Bay bats to me are a little more deadly than the Miami bats. Okay, Oakland's at Kansas City. Mike Fires, he's a good play at 8,500. Mike Montgomery's been a little bumpy recently, and uh, this team scored 20 runs last night. So, you know, maybe an Oakland stack here again. Uh, Chris Davis is only 3,400, gets the split. Uh Josh Fegley's only thirty five hundred. You got Mark Cano's worth the five thousand. Uh, you know, Marcus Semien's forty seven hundred. What do you think about an Oakland split and uh, using fires? Oh, Oakland uh, stack. Oakland stack. I can totally get behind the Oakland stack. And here's another one of them weird situations. I'm I'm actually definitely going to ride Matt Olson tonight. Left handed bats are batting almost five hundred off of Montgomery so far this season. So. Yeah, with four home runs. That's over 68 at-bats. So, to me, that's just enough to where I'm willing to take a shot on a lefty on lefty for sure. And uh, I'd be willing to take any of the right-handed, especially some of the cheaper ones that pop up later on uh, when the lineups come out because you're going to need to save a few bucks here and there for some of the other games. 
Okay. Uh, Boston is at Colorado. Uh, <laughs> Rick Porcello against Mike uh, against uh, Rico Garcia is the starter, and uh, both both uh, especially the Colorado Rockies stack is in play. Uh, and you, I think. Uh, I mean, sorry, the Red Sox are definitely in play. And uh, so are the Rockies here as stacks. This is the game that you want to save money for with the pitching. I can tell you right now that every lineup I run tonight will have Red Sox and Rockies in it, except for one that I will make sure to leave blank just on the odd chance the game is a dud. But on both sides of this game tonight, I think it's going to be an offensive nightmare. The Red Sox just absolutely crush right-handed pitching. They're the best in Major League Baseball. And, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Rico Garcia, but I can't imagine – I would want to make my first start in Colorado facing the Red Sox. <laughs> okay, let's go to Arizona and San Francisco. Mike Leak, you never know what he's going to do. Uh, and same thing with Jeff Samarge. I'm pretty much fading in this game. You know, I actually kind of think Air, uh, San Francisco is a sneaky stack tonight. Um, Leak has a 6.14 road ERA. And it, even though San Francisco is a big part, I just kind of have that feeling that this could be a nice sneaky stack tonight. But as far as pitching goes, I kind of, yeah, I wouldn't take either one of them. And I certainly wouldn't jump on many of the Arizona bats because Samarjic sometimes comes out and really shuts teams down at home. Okay, Texas is at the Angels. Uh, Mike Miner is going against Andrew Heaney, who uh, pitched really well in his last start. Uh, but there are better options out there. Uh, even you know, over Miner, you know, this looks like a fade game. Yeah, you know, it is. And I got to be honest with you, I was so close to throwing Haney in the pitching article today. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I just there's still just better options, like you said. And this is another one of them games that could either be it's either going to be a bunch of runs or no runs. But if you can't really get a feel for something like that, it's usually better to gravitate towards a game. You have a better gut feeling. for. Then we got uh, Los Angeles at the San Diego Padres. Uh, Walker Bueller is going against uh, Cal Quantrill, uh, and Bueller's eleven thousand. Price wise, there's probably some better options available on the slate. Quantrill's been pretty good, but I wouldn't use him against the Dodger lineup. Yeah, I wouldn't touch Quantrill, but I'm definitely all over Bueller. If if memory serves correct, didn't he strike out fifteen Padres the last time he faced them? Yeah, well, that means you know that they've seen him and maybe they're ready for him. No, I don't think the Padres are ready for anybody. So I'm totally over yeah. Walker Bueller tonight, definitely. And I'm going to try, I'm actually shying away a little off the Dodger bats tonight because, you know, Quantrill can come out and shut him down. Chances are unlikely, but I watched Lauer strike out a bunch of Dodgers last night. So Bueller or Soroka? Ah, uh, Soroka. Okay. I got one right. thing I would, one GPP scenario, though, I am going to throw out there tonight, especially if you, I mean, if I wanted, if you're going to play in a huge field GPP, on DraftKings, I wouldn't be afraid tonight to throw like five bucks and combine Hauser and Pluco because you'd have an enormous amount of salary. And if they both come out and have good games tonight, you would have all the bats in the world for next to nothing pitching-wise spent. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, Masio Tanaka against Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, the Yankee stack is definitely in vogue. Uh, Tanaka's just 7,500 with a good matchup. Yeah, I actually would take bats on both sides of this and neither pitcher. I mean, Zanaka's road ERA is still deplorable, and Seattle has some really great left-handed bats. And I and the Yankees, I mean, come on. I mean, the Yankees are oof, hitting home runs on a nightly basis, and they are fully stacked with righties to attack that left-handed pitcher. So both of them bats on both sides are in play for me tonight. 
All right, so stack-wise, uh, stack that Boston-Colorado game, also the Yankees and Milwaukee, and for many stacks, Pittsburgh, Oakland, and San Francisco. Pitching-wise, uh, uh, Castillo's the favorite, then Verlander, Soroka, Bueller, and uh, the salary savers are Pluto and Hauser. You got it. All right. Thanks a lot for listening uh, to the Win Daily Podcast, and uh, make sure you get a premium gold membership, and we will see you tomorrow.